to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hey, Paul, how are you? I am pretty good. How about yourself? Awesome, mate. It's been um, a busy week of graphing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's been a busy week in general, right? I mean, I can't even remember what I did this week. It's just been heads down doing stuff. <laughs> One of those ones you like look <laughs> yeah. up and, oh, it's Friday already. Yeah, wait, that reminder says I have to talk to Jeremy. Well, that's good, but oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a funny week because at Microsoft at this time of year, obviously is school holidays in America. I'm sure it is in most places around the world as well, but um, people are off. And so I don't have the tax of fighting for a parking space in building 32 because there's no one there. So the parking lot's <laughs> empty. Yesterday, I literally had an hour of meetings on my calendar and I thought there was something wrong with Outlook because there was no other <laughs> meetings on there. I was like, oh, maybe I should open Outlook desktop to see whether that shows me that I only have an hour of meetings as well. Um, but uh, And we had a really good community call that um, has already been published with a recording. We had Carl Marsh... Uh, come on, who is in identity, Microsoft identity, and he's in CXP, which is customer experience. And him and Matthias Horkstra, who uh, is an old SharePoint guy who we should probably get on at some point. We should get them both on at, at some point. Um, travel a lot, talking to customers directly about Microsoft identity. And because this team that owned the dev experience for our identity, MSAL, where they're getting a lot of feedback. The team also owns the, what we call AGS, the aggregation graph service that basically is the front light or the front door for graph, graph.microsoft.com that routes to all the different APIs in graph. Because identity on that, 6P do a lot of work with graph as well. And so Kyle came on, talked about identity and, um, we had Enrique on, and I will not try and pronounce his last name, <laughs> um, to talk about Dynamics Business Central APIs too. So we had a busy week of community stuff going on. So if you've got spare time other than listening to this podcast, um, I'd highly recommend checking those things out if you're interested in Business Central or getting a, a good refresher update on where identity is as well. Yeah. So I, I was on, I listened to the call and, and Henrique, uh, I have to be honest, it doesn't uh, apply to me. So I was only half listening, but the Kyle part was terrific and it was kind of all encompassing. It seemed right. He just, it, mm-hmm. it, it was like, it was conversational. I really liked how he was conversational, but not technical. And Oh, by the way, there's this and then into this and here's how that fits in. So it was a great, uh, a great presentation. So yeah, I agree. It was, it was good. I, I- I gave him feedback at the end that I really liked the way he'd positioned it and and gave all the tidbits. You know, it was I think it was a good confidence builder for people that have maybe been trash talking this for a long time, waiting for MSL to finally GA for .NET and JavaScript. And so it was nice to get all the updates and different things we're working on. And come ignite, there's some other exciting things for that is an identity based engineering piece of effort that will really help graph, which is exciting. If you um, if you haven't looked yeah. at MSAL since build, you should. It, uh, the story is yeah. different, a hundred percent different. Mm-hmm. So, well, not hundred yeah. percent, but <laughs> the but mechanics are hundred percent different. The concepts are hundred percent the same. But yeah, yeah so yeah. certainly worth going back and revisiting if you have time. And then Daryl had two weeks off in our team, which was it makes a big dent, and it's I miss him because he's 
although he's remote, we spend a lot of time chatting throughout the week, bouncing ideas off each other and questioning sanity and different things about how he's a good kind of like smorgasbord of ideas where, when we're kind of innovating here in the DevX team. And one of the things that he got around to blogging when he got back was around the Objective-C uh, general availability release. So if you're doing anything with iOS, um, the SDK is now GA'd. So we now have uh, .NET, Java, and JavaScript, and now Objective-C, Microsoft Graph SDKs. Um, all of those things are in the docs. So if you look at any operation, there's Objective-C code snippets now, so you don't have to guess. But I will say that if you go look at Objective-C, uh, and my app that's in the store is Swift, Objective-C is just an ugly language. <laughs> It is brutal. Um, like people give JavaScript a bad name, but Objective-C is just not friendly. Anyway, so you're very lucky that we provide you the snippet so you don't have to kind of work your head around what an MS HTTP client is and the graph client is. You can just copy and paste that into your Xcode project and away you go. Um, uh, you know, I've, yeah. missed, I've missed the whole C language movement thing. I think I'm kind of glad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all those snippets are there. We actually get telemetry on when people are using them. But for the astute eye, we've planted an Easter egg, um, which I encourage everyone to go find. That's on the podcast. We've not told anyone else about this publicly. Um, go find the get user API in V1 and scroll down to example two. And then you'll see a try it button and click on it and then let me know what you think. But um, there's some exciting stuff coming. The anticipation of people driving, cycling right now. They're like, what is it? What, what, what is it? And you'll just have to wait and see. Ooh, I love I love the Easter egg here. But uh, a couple things from SDK from my perspective. Number one, you know I was uh, you know I've been chatting a while of stuff. I've been kicking around a lot of stuff, and I noticed that it, things were kind of quiet in the .NET space. And I was I was just about to say, well, what's going on? And then this blog post came out. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, apparently the team which you had mentioned in the past wasn't as big as the Azure SDK team. <laughs> so apparently they were busy doing something else. So I'm glad I didn't I didn't uh, rattle any cages. So, uh, <laughs> but it's nice to see SDK stuff moving forward, and and the docs page is always good to get that updated. So exciting to see, and I hope my Easter egg is chocolate inside. Can't wait to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other bit of news we have for this week is uh, the SharePoint framework generator has bumped up their release up to version 1.9. And I know there was it was a, a bit of a rough release, but I look at the release notes on Git today. There's no uh, no no red warnings anymore. So this is the, the, the primary uh, update about this is that the library components are generally available. And this means your a library of JavaScript functions. For example, if you use the same thing in numerous web parts, you probably can then streamline things. This has actually been a blocker for some of our our components here to add in 365. So now that now that this is GA, I probably have more work on my backlog. So <laughs> I have to go busy doing that. So if you're using <laughs> SharePoint Framework 1.9 or the generator is out, there's steps on how to migrate. And I'm sure that if it's not already the 
the the wall deck tool will automatically migrate you soon because he's usually right on the quickly on the release of the GA. He's got his updated CLI stuff. So there you go for the SharePoint folks. So is that just a case of sorry? Is that just a case of like moving files into the new scaffolding, or can you like in place upgrade the like all the moving parts that SPFX has around it? I don't know the specifics on this release, but in the past when I've looked, there there is well, it's two parts, right? So the scaffolding bits uh, change, and and you don't necessarily like you can download the new version of the generator, and when you create a future project, it's all set. But in some instances, there's in some of the in the depths of the files that get generated, there the manifest or somewhere in there, there's sometimes a reference to the runtime version that you want. And so usually that CLI is going into those manifest full files. I don't it's not that's not the name of it, but this is one of those files to update the reference 1.9 so that at runtime the 1.9 library would then be loaded uh, okay. from SharePoint CDN. So and like I said, not every release has new things, right? Mm-hmm. But but um and again the CLI takes care of all that for you as well. So this particular one, they just, the, for example, migrating from 182 to 19, you just go into package.json and change all the references. And then that uh, when you read bundle, it'll get the right version. Oh, so that's... this one's kind of a straightforward yeah, one, easy. but sometimes it's more involved. And I do have an idea for someone who's a, a, a developer. So I want a Visual Studio extension that if I'm trying to save a project in a folder that has either research or temp in the name, you make me give it a name other than console app one or console app two. Because <laughs> <laughs> this morning I was in my research folder and deleted, I don't know, 10 or 12 projects with no name hoping not knowing what the heck not, they were so not knowing what they were yeah i'm a little yeah. bit more mindful of naming them appropriately now because of that problem when you get six months in a row and you're like hmm. <laughs> is it safe yeah. to delete this yeah so well they're in the recycle bin so hopefully i won't need them so anyways but uh this week we had uh, a, a great guest mike amerland was on so uh yeah. it was, thanks again to mike for coming out uh, the uh, we, we talked a few weeks ago. You and I had pointed people to his Inspire talk, and so we covered a little bit on that and gave us that marketing, and then kind of Microsoft's views on marketing as a whole. So, uh, big thanks to Mike for coming on. And you know what? I don't know. We didn't ask him to introduce himself. So I, I yeah, let's come Mike up with Amberland. one now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So go for it. Uh, well, so the way I met Mike Am actually he is he is he doesn't take credit for it when I brought it up with him, but uh, when I was an MVP, the first time I traveled to the States uh, as an MVP to come to a Microsoft event on campus. Um, uh, for those that don't know, the parlor is shut uh, now. This is the billiards place that everyone goes to in Lincoln Square in um, in Bellevue. And um, we were chatting and I was asking him, you know, what he thought and about Microsoft and whether he enjoyed it. And like, I'd always kind of had this thing about, oh, I wish I'd have graduated and just moved to the States and started at Microsoft as a, as a grad. Cause I feel like a career wise, I'd be in a much um, more uh, established place here. Not all I've done too bad, but um, he gave me a lot of advice and encouraged me to um, try and get a, a job within Microsoft. And, uh, and so he was the big first push of this is achievable to do this from all the way in uh, Western Australia. But um, Mike at the time was in, a, in SharePoint engineering and was working on or had worked on uh, the sandbox solutions um, and also um, 
I'd worked on add-in model as well um, and then moved to other, I think we should talk about in the podcast where he moved over to Bing Maps and then he came back and um, he's now in a marketing role. So the, for those of you that followed my kind of career at Microsoft, the team that Mike is in is the team that I was in with CJ, where CJ was my boss. So uh, CJ from the cloud show, Mike Amelan essentially has his job now. He took that from Rob Howard, who's now gone up the ladder a little bit on the marketing side of the house. And so their team works on everything to do with Microsoft 365 development. Whereas obviously I work in the graph space. So they're all about messaging and managing how we communicate everything about Microsoft 365 development. And um, they uh, travel a lot to different events as well to be able to tell that story. So um, it's a really good show and Mike's an awesome guy. And um has some quirky little phrases in the podcast so it was fun recording it with him uh, last week yes it was great I, uh, I, I met mike at the dev kitchen for sharepoint 2010 we were working on claims authentication and i don't think it was finished being developed at the time so <laughs> but but you know and so now it's been it's probably been a decade that i've known mike and i've never i've never known mike to not give a thoughtful answer mm-hmm. so anytime you see mike at these events and you have a question feel very very approachable guy feel free to ask any question and you certainly can uh, you know the, the answer won't be right off the top of his tongue but he'll he, he he's got that nod he does and you can just see him thinking through and comes back great answers and and always help so thanks again to Mike for all the answers over the decade and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, everyone have a great week and enjoy the interview. So, hey, Mike, how are you? Ah, doing great. Doing great. Nice sunny so, day. Uh, yeah, well, we always talk about the weather on the show, so yeah, it's I know. Uh, yeah. unusual to be the fact that it is sunny in Redmond. You're, yeah. you're over in building three now, right yeah, next to right. Bill's Pond. Yeah, I've I've actually got uh, kind of a good view of uh, Bill's Pond in terms of you know you know where they used to throw Bill Gates in every time they'd ship a product back in the olden days when they'd ship products so rarely that you could throw Bill Gates in the in, in the pond every now and again. Um, but then they're also you know rebuilding like I guess the whole Microsoft campus. So um, you know it was kind of we actually got like a front row seat to all the destruction of like the the, the buildings that they were doing and taking them down. It's kind of weird to see, um, but uh, pretty fun. And the, the the earth also rumbles around here quite a bit as they sort of, you know, do do their construction. So you know, Drop never quite sure when floor of a building. Yeah, never quite <laughs> sure when uh, you know this building's going to come down. Hopefully, they give us a heads up beforehand, but we'll see. <laughs> they, they let you pack your boxes before they start taking walls down. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, um, there's a oh, go ahead. Let's say that the uh, the ship cycle thing. It was funny. I was just looking for the last time we had you on the show, and it was when Richard and Andrew Coates were on an episode 104, which is August 18th, 2016. Do you remember what you talked to him about three years ago? So, so well, that was when I was coming on from marketing. So before that, I was a program manager, you know, working on Bing Maps. And so at the time, it was okay. We we're about to launch SharePoint Framework. That was three years ago, and uh, you know, we did some of the first unveils and the previews at that time. So, you know, a lot of good stuff has happened since then. I've been now in marketing for three years, which, you know, I guess makes me uh, old and grizzled. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, and in general, old and grizzled. But uh, no, it, it, uh, it's crazy that it's been three years. But uh, yeah, you know, I guess that just reflects kind of my do it every three years mentality, I suppose. Yeah, that you're, you're a free year ship cycle podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back, in, back in my day when I was a program manager, we shipped every three years, gosh darn it. And we did it on DVDs and people liked it. 
<laughs> well, as someone who's done the other way, where I moved from actually your team, uh, and I was there for three, three and a bit years, and then moved into engineering, what would you say would be the major difference in your the way you work between being a program manager and being a marketing manager? Um, you know, what I think is cool about marketing is that, uh, well, let's, let me back up. When you're a program manager, you work with engineers. Engineers obviously have lots of constraints and lots of different priorities that they're juggling. And so you'll come up with ideas, you'll come up with capabilities. And if you work hard enough and you, if you connect all the dots in the right way, you know, three months or six months or three years later, you'll have a feature or capability that you can say like, oh, I had some hand in that. And that's kind of a, a really nice thing. I think what's cool about marketing is that when you come into marketing, um, yes, you're not shipping products in the you know, in the same way at all, but you, you do have like more projects where you're like, okay, I can start something, I can drive it, I can get it done in two months, you know, um, you know, we can spend some money on X or Y or Z and we can actually really get things done. And so I know it's maybe it sounds a little cheesy to say, but you can kind of wake up every day and think, okay, but what am I going to try to do today? That's different to try to drive something in a different direction. Um, yeah. whereas, you know, like I said, with program management, you have to work with so many different teams and so many different things to get things out the door. So it's kind of a different level of challenge and and you know it's just a higher mountain that you climb as a program manager so to speak to get things you know into people's hands um but you know like i said i like the the you know the the two months you can kind of conceive of something and get it out the door pretty quickly in marketing so i always found i mean i understand marketing right pepsi wants to market me as well but the developer marketing always seemed odd to me so what is your take on what that really means why would a, why would a developer be marketed to is it really like a consumer well I, I, no i mean I, I think uh you know i think one of the things is um well, okay, again, not to be too old war story about this, but when I was a program manager, you'd, you'd ship something you know, every three years. And so for the duration of those three years, of course, you'd talk to customers, you'd talk to people, but then you'd sort of get it into the train to get shipped. You know, it would get pressed onto DVDs and you know, you know, go out the door, and then you'd be on to the next thing. And so you just didn't quite worry as much about like, well, are people going to use my feature? Are people going to be satisfied with my feature? Um, you, you, you cared about that, but because the three years cycles that made it hard to be make it super actionable and and you know easy to kind of go respond to things whereas you know now when you ship a capability you know like SharePoint framework they ship you know on a monthly cadence they you know deal with issues they deal with you know responses there's it's a lot more possible to um, be responsive to what developers are doing and so anyway to bring that back to your question um, I think there's an awareness now that every Every program manager, because you're in that tight loop, they need to think about how is my feature getting used? How do people hear about my feature? Um, how do they hear about it in, in a way that's relevant to the problems that they're trying to solve? Um, and, and because if you don't do it, your feature won't get used. And so there's no point to actually doing any of that engineering work. And so I think marketing is really just a shade of that, which is how do we put features into people's hands um, so that they, you know, they understand what they're what what it's intended for and how they can use it. And if it doesn't work that way, how we can take that feedback back in. I think of program or uh, marketing really is just a different, you know, a different shade of you know the pro program management discipline in the sense of we're just really focused on how do people hear and understand what 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 features are for. Um, and so you know through events like Ignite, through things like the the boot camps that we're going to be doing in the fall, um, you know through a number of different activities, we also you know basically try to get the word out about features and capabilities. Now of course, you know there's a lot of program managers that do a great job of that. As well, like you know, like Jeremy, for example, not to be too, you know, 
Anyway, uh, but you know, like you know, like, you know, or Vesa, for, or Vesa, for example. Like I often, I often say, like Vesa is the best person on my marketing team in the sense of like you know getting. <laughs> You know, I've got some great people on my marketing team, but like in, in terms of actually getting the information out to people about what the new mm-hmm. capabilities are. So it's it's you know the difference between marketing and program management. You know, at least from a Microsoft standpoint, I don't think is super huge. You know, uh, quite frankly, I, I think you guys have a broader view. Like the benefit and the value I see your team uh, from my perspective in a graph world is is that um, there's a bigger story than a graph. As much as like our team thinks the graph is w- one thing to rule them all, and you shall use it. The reality is, is that it's a part of the puzzle that is the story of how you build on top of Microsoft 365 as a platform. Yeah. And 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 so your team kind of presents the work that we do, the work that Vesa and Jeremy and Kathy and Ed and Luca and Pat and all those guys in SharePoint do, and you know the Outlook Addings guys and Excel and PowerPoint and Word and and so there's this bigger, broader story. And obviously now with Microsoft Teams, you know that story gets even more of a steam train of products that tied together to create this kind of dev story. Right. Um, and so I saw your Inspire session, which I thought was excellent, by the way. I really like the way you positioned it. Yes. But for yeah. people listening here that maybe didn't see that session, what's your elevator pitch on, I mean, as this is the Microsoft 365 developer podcast, what is your elevator pitch on the value of the platform that is Microsoft 365? Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially so many of your listeners and so many of the people that are working in in, in our space, they're building apps for the enterprise. You know, they're probably going to start by building, let's say, a web application for doing some supply chain management or something like that. And so, you know, of course, there's there's millions of developers who are creating these applications for business and for work. And it, I think what we're thinking is you know with the Microsoft 365 developer platform, there's an opportunity to make those apps better and, and make them work better for the people that are going to go use them. And really, there's four ways to go do this. You know, first, you know, you can actually you know weave data in from Microsoft Graph. Um, you know, key things like people and organizations and information to actually you know make those apps more responsive and more contextual, so that they understand. For example, when somebody's out of the office, that okay, maybe you should, your workflow should go in a different direction. Um, you can make a better, more engaging experience by building an top of windows, pulling in things like, you know, graphics horsepower or connecting to devices or, you know, taking advantage of technologies like UWP. Uh, you can work with the identity platform to just handle in a seamless way all the identity problems that you see uh, and, and, and make that a very smooth and seamless process compliant with your organization's identity. And then finally, you can like weave it into applications like SharePoint and Teams. You know, people spend hours a day in their inbox. They spend hours a day, um, you know, inside of uh, Teams. They start their day by going to their SharePoint site and seeing like what's new inside of my company. And so, you know, by bringing your application into all those spaces, you can also just make it a better application. So we think that, you know, anybody who's building an application for organizations for how people work, they can really just benefit by leveraging some of the facets of the Microsoft 365 platform to make it better. You know, and, and my my approach in this, in when I was watching the, the Inspire video, it, it struck me that, you know, for years and years and years, we were trying to customize SharePoint or, or customize this or integrate with some product because that's where the, the our users spend their day, right? But the first thing you pointed out seems to resonate with me in that there's stuff that 
I can find out about the current user or about the context of the current user using Graph and pull that into my application. And to me, that seems that seems quite valuable. Is that what you're hearing as well, or what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, almost any application does your app deal with people? Well, if it does, chances are there's some interesting stuff inside of Microsoft Graph to to make it more useful. You know, the simple things like, okay, who's the most common people that people work with? You know, uh, you know, we we say this all the time, but you know, in a company like Microsoft, for example, where there's, you know, 150,000 people and probably a thousand of them are called Mike, you know, knowing which Mike is actually relevant to you um, is, is, you know, it just, you know, shaves five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds off. And that makes a huge difference. Um, you know, we find like with things like adaptive cards when they're in Outlook, if you can shave 15 seconds off of, you know, approving a process or getting a process through that 15 seconds is the difference between, you know, saving a lot of money on your, your invoicing processes versus not. And so, you know, by building in all those different efficiencies, by pulling in the right data at the right time to save people, you know, maybe it's as simple as 15 seconds that can actually make a huge difference on how people work. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, you know, graph applies to almost any application because if that application deals with people, you know, there's a ton of really relevant information in graph to say nothing of files and calendars and those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, even just people, there's a huge amount of value to, you know, working in graph in any application. I actually saw a really good example of that at the hackathon uh, last week, which we talked about in the intro of the show. Uh, which was around the expense team that's internal to Microsoft. And they're now using the mail APIs that uh, to kind of, and your, um, like your Amex balance, that they'll go find the receipts if they've been sent you in an email and attach it to the expense so that you don't have to, you have to do that work, which wow. Mike, I'm assuming that like. <laughs> your, I'm saying wow, because if yeah. you're familiar with the Microsoft expense process, that's a little bit of a moonshot, but yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry. And, and and so it was kind of interesting to see that kind of scenario where obviously they own this business application. They hear lots of constructive criticism about how painful it is. Um, and the fact that they're using the graph to try and solve some of that is is really cool. And they're doing some stuff with adaptive cards to make the approver of the expense yeah. even easier to do in Outlook too. So it's nice to see like the over, it's not just like one facet of the platform that's being used. Like in their scenario, they're, you know, they're doing stuff in teams, they're doing stuff in mail, they're doing stuff in the graph as well, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what we think about the Microsoft 365 platform. It's like, yeah, there's four pretty, you know, at first glance, it may be disparate elements, you know, build a Windows app, go build, you know, adaptive card, go work with Microsoft Graph data. But you can kind of fuse them together to kind of really get that, you know, triple word score of productivity in terms of, you know, <laughs> pulling a weird metaphor out of left field. You um, really you know. are in marketing now, aren't you, Mike? Well, I don't think you'd have ever have used that quote five years ago when no, I saw you in no, MVP I, summit. I I have some pretty goofy metaphors, let me tell you. you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so, one other thing for the listeners, I often get asked, and I think it'll evolve coming up to Ignite. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it's announced publicly in terms of where Windows sits in the different divisions in Microsoft. Your team looks after Windows 10 development story as well now. So how does that play into your direction with pushing a platform for developers to build on top of? 
Yeah, I mean, with Windows in particular, um, there's, you know, a lot of good reasons to go build applications for Windows. And then, of course, across, you know, other platforms in a native way, of course, starting with you just want a really great, you know, premium experience. You want the kinds of, you know, very fast response times and those kinds of things. You know, response time matters. Having an app that's super snappy and, and you know, reason, you know, easy to work with like that also matters a lot for overall productivity. Um, but then, you know, on Windows, there's things like the graphics platform. They have, you know, an AI engine that's on you know, Windows 10 that you can use to kind of process, you know, AI models, you know, locally so that you can actually do all that compute locally on the fly. And so, you know, if you're looking at your cloud build for no other reason, like being able to do that compute locally is a good thing, but it also helps improve response times, um, you know, through that AI processing technology that they've got, you know, through WinML on Windows, um, you know, working with devices, working with natural user input, all these things are really great experiences to build on top of Windows. And then, you know, like we said earlier, like you can pull in things like Microsoft Graph. So we've got, you know, controls that connect a graph in the Windows toolkit, which is an open source toolkit of controls that can pull in things like files from OneDrive and the like. Um, so you can kind of really build those combined experiences. And then the other thing is that we're, the Windows team is working towards, you know, things like React Native um, and, you know, making it possible to build with React Native, but then use first class, you know, Windows UI controls on top of Windows as well. So if you're looking to target experiences across, you know, Android and iOS and Windows, um, you can always build that with React Native as well. So, you know, again, so many developers start by building a web app and that of course totally makes sense. Um, but we do think there's a really great case for, you know, building native experiences across devices and then, you know, taking advantage of those, you know, really unique capabilities on Windows, you know, where you need it. If you're building engineering software and you to look at 3D models, you know, for example, um, that's a great thing to go build on top of Windows or, or mapping. Um, I used to be uh, the uh, the API program manager for mapping on Windows, and there's just a lot of great 3D capabilities that are just not possible to do on the web. And those are UWP APIs you can take advantage of on Windows specifically. So if you're doing some architecture or site planning or real estate, there's just some really great native capabilities there. I, you know, I I always hear people say you want to be where your users are. and Everyone talks about that in the context of, you know, Android or iOS. But shoot, I think most people do more work on their desktop, either be it a Mac or a, or a PC than they do on their mobile device. Right. So that, that does kind of resonate. Yeah. And so now um, what, what is obviously we're in a little bubble here of, of the Microsoft 365 platform. But what about the rest of Microsoft? Do you how much do you interact with the rest of Microsoft, the Azure guys or the business app guys that talk about what Office 360 or Microsoft 365 means and what does it mean to the company? What does it mean to your, your customers? Yeah, I mean, we, we work, um, you know, for example, a lot with the Power Platform folks, um, you know, things like Power, you know, Power BI and Flow and, and uh, Power Apps in particular. I think you've seen some really good stuff there in terms of how it integrates with SharePoint um, and, and becomes kind of essentially the workflow engine and the forms engine for SharePoint, you know, for doing things there. And I think you'll see more of that coming soon, too, in the sense of, you know, yes, you can have flow that works with teams, but you'll see, you know, things that sort of go deeper on that front as well. And so we're always working on, you know, flow and power apps and those workflow scenarios. I mean, that's something that, you know, even, you know, 15 years ago, as we were working on SharePoint, like workflow was so key to, you know, the kinds of things that people want to do with it. So it's, it's natural that that stuff should be very closely tied into, um, into like SharePoint and teams and the like. Uh, but then I guess the other side of it is uh, we work a lot with the Azure folks. So, you know, part of my 
job is I work with a lot of uh, different software companies, ISVs as we call them. Um, and, you know, we're always sort of working to kind of, you know, work with our Azure colleagues and talk about, you know, the different types of things that those companies can go do, whether it's through, you know, building a Teams integration or building a SharePoint web part or building something for Outlook or, you know, taking advantage of, out of, of Azure to go, you know, provide the infrastructure for that solution. Um, but ideally, like we, you know, come together a lot to kind of talk about, you know, how can you build solutions between the two, um, you know, in addition to Power Platform and the like. So, yeah, we're, we're you know, frequently, you know, two people in the same room, for example, with, with those ISVs uh, to talk about the combined benefits of the platform. And, and things like Azure Functions, I guess, is another great case in point where, you know, we still have some more work to do for sure, but like, you know, having some direct connections, for example, with Azure Functions, you know, back to Microsoft Graph and the like, I mean, that's just another area that we had some really great explorations. We need to do more there, but, you know, that's that hopefully we'll have more of those things coming up soon. I guess the final thing I'll mention is Graph Data Connect. Um, so Graph Data Connect is a capability that um, allows you to get at, uh, you know, some of the data in Graph with the appropriate consent in bulk. Um, but the way it does that, is through Azure because Azure provides compliance storage that's co-located with your Office 365 tenancy, so you don't have any data that kind of goes outside of those boundaries. Um, so that's also just another good example of, of a collaboration where we think that combining the, the value props of Azure with um, Office 365 in particular is, is and Graph uh, is, is a really great uh, value prop that you can't deliver in any other way. So selfishly, I just had to start doing an Azure function this week. So I wish you had your, you know, your your bindings story fixed two weeks ago. <laughs> you should talk yeah. to me uh, offline about that, Paul. We're actually working with Matt Henderson's team on some improvements there. Yeah, yeah. So, Mike, um, not not to, uh, I guess I am going to ask you to do it, is to pick oh. your favorite children. But, like, if you're to talk to... Uh, a, a customer, we do executive briefings, at, you know, in the various different facets here at Microsoft talking to large customers. What are your three scenarios that you demo to showcase these things like in real world scenarios, like whether they're real partner demos or things that have been built by your team or other teams? Like how do you, how do you get the oohs and the ahs right now? What are your three favorites? Um, yeah, so of course we always start by thinking about the customer and what they're trying to do. But generically, let me say, um, I think one of the first things that always comes to mind is just uh, you know some of the adaptive card and actual message demos in Outlook. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a simple demo, like hey, look, it's a form inside of your email um, that replaces the hyperlink that takes you to a website to do the same thing. And at first glance, you think, well, that's it's cool, but it's not necessarily something that's earth shattering. But when you see some of the results, the customers have, you know, and that the customers, you know, like Microsoft have had in actually deploying actual messages to make processes, you know, quicker and more efficient, like a four times, you know, uh, improvement in SharePoint permission uh, acceptance rates when they're delivered through an actual message. Like, I think it really drives home that concept that even small user experience improvements can have a huge impact. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and just the ability to embed a form inside of an email is just a super powerful thing that, like, basically everything can benefit from. So, you know, I use that demo because. <clears throat> 
excuse me, it, it really explains the concept of, <clears throat> excuse me, one more time. Uh, it, it really explains the, the the concept of, you know, just improving the user experience and, and all the downstream impacts it can have. And like I said, it, it applies to every uh, scenario. I think another thing I always demo is Teams. Um, so a, a really cool concept is just, you know, for example, some of the things we've done in healthcare. For example, in healthcare, um, we have these demos of different doctor scenarios, clinician scenarios, where you bring a whole bunch of different extensions into Teams, whether there's some tabs, whether there's some bots. And what you do is you create this workspace that's dedicated for doctors and clinicians where they have all their tools close at hand, ready to go, um, you know, to, to make sure that they, you know, can get into the technology, get their work done, and then get out and focus on patients. Um, and so I think it's a really just great case of, I think what we're going to see more frequently moving forward is these really heavily customized teams, uh, workspaces where you bring in, you know, many different solutions all into one place and it's heavily tailored. Um, so I, I think that's a really cool concept, you know, making it easy to bring in, um, you know, those right apps, there's there's some concepts of templating in teams that are arising. So we're making it easier within teams to kind of really deliver that idea of a tailored workspace. Um, so that's that's a good one as well. And then, you know, the the, the other uh, the other demo that I always like to do or, or it's a little geeky, but I just like to take people to Graph Explorer and to Graph Docs, because I think if you're I mean, I'm more a wannabe developer than a developer developer. But <laughs> even if you're a wannabe developer um, like me, um, when you go to the docs and you see all the different data types there for graph, you know, things like calendars and events and just being able to look through that and see the possibilities. Like, I think that's the thing where, you know, just seeing all the different uh, data types that you have at your disposal, I, I get oohs and ahs for that too. Um, even if it's just literally showing documentation nodes in a tree view. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more sexy in Graph Explorer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's 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 you know I do an ooh when I do that demo myself, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like that demo. It's not even a demo. No, I just want to I just want to chime on to your first demo with the uh, actionable message in an, in an email. So I, I have some real world experience with this, and and the thing that struck me was that you know uh, uh, an approval form goes to somebody, and first thing they're doing is they're forwarding the email to somebody else or trying to print it out, and 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 it doesn't look right, and and it's that whole user habits that you have to to break in order to get those benefits. So it's certainly, and obviously that's just human nature, right? But but yes, I've seen the same type of results. Once you get the users over the hump, uh, I, I per firsthand seen that same kind of breakthrough that you're talking to about, oh, this is so much easier. You know, I don't have to remember what page to go to to do the approval. It's right there for me. So it's excellent stuff. I like that demo a lot. The, the other cool thing about actual messages real quick is that the users don't have to install anything. They don't have to install an add-in. It doesn't, um, you know, IT administrators have controls, but, you know, an IT administrator doesn't have to individually bless specific, you know, actual messages typically. And so, you know, if you want a solution that's going to get used quickly, you know, an actual message is a really great way to do it. Um, so, you know, it's easy to be, you know, to have big impact quickly, um, you know, with those actual messages. Anyway, and the, the other thing I'll just add too is that we also have, uh, you know, finished rolling it out, for example, to iOS devices. So if you're using Outlook on iOS um, and you open up a message with an actual message and if the actual message has been, you know, flagged that it's, it's compatible with, with um, you know mobile form factors, which most of them should be, um, then you get that actual message on iOS, and so now you can you know go complete your expense report approvals in the grocery store checkout line, <laughs> which is a tr true dream come true. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. I don't know. How, 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 how do you build an application that's going to top that? Yeah, no, you <laughs> you want to make sure that everyone in your organization beach. is working you know, on the beach. You know, actual messages are your key. <laughs> Sorry, and, um, that's terrible. And then in terms of like developers that have these ideas that maybe aren't building for enterprise, like they're not building something for their own particular business, but they want to... Um, they want to build something that is they're going to sell to customers. What are your kind of tips for an ISV getting started in this space? Maybe they've been in a different ecosystem um, and they're coming to Microsoft's ecosystem. Like, how do you have that conversation with them of like what we can bring to the table for them to kind of get eyeballs on their work so they're not just using their own marketing engine to kind of get the word out there? Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things that we're doing is we're actually pulling all of our marketplace and store efforts you know, behind kind of this updated Microsoft commercial marketplace, which we talked about in the Inspire talk, which um, yeah. I think I think you linked it in previous episodes and maybe in this one too. Um, we actually have a specific talk on all the different ways. And one of the key benefits with the Microsoft marketplace now is that in addition to direct sales, where people can go find, you know, all the different add-ins, you know, for Teams or for, you know, SharePoint add-ins and other things, um, you know, in addition to being able to pay for it there directly, we also have new ways for the Microsoft field to go sell that application on your behalf. You know, there's there's different criteria to get into that program, but we have a program now for that, uh, as well as the over 70,000 Microsoft partners who can resell an application. So there's a lot of opportunity there um, with this marketplace as we're updating it. But in terms of specifically what can a developer do, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, sometimes, for example, it, it's even just the simple things. When we look at, you know, we, we work with partners and we help them review, for example, their app source listings. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, and we have this idea and this understanding of what works really well, what works great for engagement. Um, and, and so just even nailing the fundamentals in terms of having a description to your application that actually corresponds uh, to like a real user problem and, and, you know, not necessarily focusing on the technology of your solution and, and, and that facet or having, you know, just the standard, like here's a screenshot with a very brief and concise description of what that thing does or what the screenshot, you know, what capability that screenshot shows. And so even just the fundamentals of, you know, listing optimization actually make a huge impact. Um, the other thing I'll say is always removing friction. Uh, that's the other, you know, most common uh, problem or sort of inhibitor to to applications is there, uh, you know, when you first get the application, there's a bunch of configuration that you have to do. You have to sign in or create an account, which you shouldn't necessarily need to do if you integrate with the identity platform. Um, so just using that to re reduce the overall friction the first time someone sees an ad, it can make a huge impact as well. Um, so those are kind of usually the first two things. Um, I guess the, the other thing I'll mention is sometimes, you know, the add-in is an extension to an existing product. And so we'll see that companies they'll release an add-in, but they won't necessarily go back to the users of their product and start marketing, the, marketing to them and saying, hey, by the way, we've got this cool add-in for Teams now, you can go use it. And that's the other really great way to kind of boost overall you know, engagement with an application is just you know, letting your customers know that you know, we've got a great integration with Teams now or, or a SharePoint web part now um, can make a big deal. And we have other things. And so, um, you know, you know, I'm Mike Amerlin at you know, Mike AM at Microsoft.com. We have other you know, tools and different things that people can take advantage of um, you know, as well if they're optimizing apps in AppSource and through the marketplace. We've got other tips and tools you know, we can get in contact around too. Yeah, that's awesome. So, gee, I wish I had that service available to write uh, presentation abstracts. Yeah. 
What? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's Ignite season here. I think I've written about three abstracts in the past three days, so I, I feel your pain. Yeah, so, you know, that kind of uh, begs the question. I, I know you're just taking a, a sip of coffee after being at Inspire, but obviously Ignite's the next big thing. Yeah. And historically, TechEd slash Ignite has not been a huge, big developer thing, right? But um, I've seen signs that that's changed. What can folks look forward to at Ignite for, you know, our developer audience? Yeah, I mean, we're actually focusing at Ignite to increase overall developer presence and add more things for developers to make it more relevant. I mean, we're going to do... You know, we, we have a pre-day, we have updated, um, you know, hands-on lab that we're going to be giving as well. We have, you know, I'm working on the keynote, for example, and those kinds of things in, in various forms. So we'll have, you know, strong developer sessions and tracks. Um, you know, really at Microsoft, we have kind of, you know, we have kind of the build phase and we have the Ignite phase in spring and fall. And so, you know, this is really the opportunity for every team to kind of, you know, show show all the things that they've been doing for the past six months. And so if nothing else, even if you're not attending, um, definitely pencil in sort of watching some of the sessions, because what you'll see is, you know, a lot of new capabilities that are, you know, pent up, so to speak, um, you know, behind the last six months of development. So we've got some really cool stuff to announce. Um, you know, of course, Graph has a number of things that, that are being developed and, and being extended. You know, we're we're doing a lot of things with with teams. You know, SharePoint sort of you know is also you know growing and also connecting with teams as well. Um, so you'll see a lot more on all of those fronts and, and all those things that we're developing. Um, but you know, just getting you know just getting you know all the new technologies and all the new directions you know from watching the sessions is probably one of the bigger benefits. Um, but we're also working to uh, bring in more people from Microsoft as well. Um, we have you know we're still kicking around some ideas, but we're making it easy for um, attendees to actually connect with a Microsoft expert. So you know even if you've got you know uh, maybe you know like this bug or this issue that you've tripped over with you know in the bowels of the Microsoft Identity Platform, so to speak. Um, you know, connecting with an identity expert to get some feedback on that, like the engineers who built the product, like that's another huge capability of Ignite. And we're working to make that more streamlined, you know, even above and beyond, like go to a booth and try to find the right person, make that uh, connection even easier. Cool. Well, um, look, we look forward to seeing you and your team at Ignite. Yeah. And um, we will definitely, I'm going to start tapping your team to come on the show to talk about their individual areas too. Yeah. Um, and so thanks again for doing this, mate. And um, how is the best way to follow you? I know you mentioned you've graciously shared your email address in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you may well, that. yeah, probably. Um, but how else will uh, can people kind of keep up with you, your team and what you guys are doing? Yeah. And so and so really like the, the best way is just dev.microsoft.com slash office is we've got a lot of content there for Office 365, you know, specifically. We've got dev.microsoft.com slash Microsoft 365 as well, um, where we're growing out the set of content that covers Microsoft 365 more broadly. Um, and so, yeah, my Twitter handle is Mike AMM. Um, I haven't been as active on that, quite frankly, which is, you know, a little bit of a sore spot. But, um, you know, that that's another you know Twitter handle as well. And then finally, we have you know our office developer um, you know Twitter handle on office dev um, where you can find out announcements about all things related to office and again we're sort of working to expand that into a broader Microsoft 365 coverage as well thanks a lot Mike it's uh, always great catching up and uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, when you have some more news let us know we'll certainly uh, help get the word out as well well all right hopefully hopefully it won't be see you in three years <laughs> Jeremy, I'm sure it'll be see you in three minutes, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the next call. But um, I mean, to be fair and to defend you a little bit, we do try and get the external voices on this podcast 
we don't like to get a lot of the internal marketing people because they can yeah. get that at, at build and that uh, ignite and inspire. Yeah. Um, so this is a more of an avenue for other people's opinions and not yours. So it was, I'm glad you came on to give yeah. the official stance. Internal plus marketing, I know two strikes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, All right. Thanks very much. A pleasure, mate. buddy. Thanks. I really right, thanks. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 